Hey, welcome to Tape to Tape, powered by the new Ram 1500 Sport, built exclusively for Canadians. Rory, the All-Star game is upon us, the All-Star break. We're going to take a little bit of a 30,000-foot view at some things going around in the league, specifically some teams that are on the rise, mm-hmm. including your Florida Panthers. We'll look ahead to the unofficial second half, I guess. Yep. I was saying earlier, I feel like we have two halfway there point are. conversations. The real halfway point, which yeah. has happened. And then this kind of symbolically, the halfway point. Really interesting guest this week, Dan Near, the head of Adidas Hockey. We chatted with Dan because we were both at a, a Fancy Pants conference, which I'll uh, talk a little bit about uh, later is that on. the but official name of it? It, it is. Uh, <laughs> capitalize all those, uh, all those words. But yes, Dan, heavily involved with um, the jersey design. Adidas, of course, ever since 2016 has been the brand that has been behind NHL jerseys. So make sure you stick around for Dan's insights into some of the, the great designs we've seen out there. But let's start with, well, we might as well start with those Panthers. They are in yeah. uh, with a cluster of teams. Also in that state, Tampa Bay. Somewhat predictably, really Coming spiking. On really strong, though. Yeah. Chicago, blink, blink. All of a sudden, they are in the Western Conference playoff race. Columbus, which I will keep saying, don't mm. look up my other predictions, but I did mm-hmm. believe the Jackets weren't going to be a disaster. I didn't yep. nail that it would be because of a Latvian goalie who hadn't played a game before <laughs> this year, but. Lo and behold, they're in there. And if you're a Leafs fan, you're kind of looking up at some of these teams now going, well, which one are we going to catch? And we can get into it a little later. Columbus is probably still that team you've got circled, but Florida expectations were that this should be a team that challenges for third place or a wild card. They're scoring a lot of goals. Mm -hmm. Do you think they're finally realizing their potential or is there still a lot of questions for them? Well, I think there's still questions because... It comes down to goaltending, and that's what sunk them last year. They were 30th in save percentage, and that's what held them back, and that's why they brought in Sergei Bobrovsky. He's been better of late, but that's compared to a just a disastrous start to the season where he had like an 870 save percentage or something. He's now over 900 over the last two months, but it's like, are you ever going to see real Sergei Bobrovsky this year? Because if you do, this team would just be scratching the surface. You're getting some good goaltending from some of the backups, Montembeau and Andreger. They're just a very high event team. They have to score a lot of goals and create a lot of chances because while the goaltending has been soft, the blue line has been a real sore spot for them, allowing a lot of good chances against, too. So they need to tighten up there. I would be shocked if they didn't do anything at the trade deadline to address that blue line. So they should be stronger down the stretch. Um, but as they've started to turn here, it is probably worth mentioning that their PDO is the second highest in the league, which is that luck stat. Your shooting percentage is high. Your save percentage is high. And at some point, that's probably bound to level off some. So that they are going to need to combat that by addressing the blue line, hoping Bobrovsky does catch a level of of sustained success here. But this is a team I think we've been expecting for a little bit here to take a step. And it, it might actually be happening for them this year because, of course, the wild card, the X factor that they haven't had in the past is Joel Quenville is a guy who's coached teams before through things. And I think you're starting to see some bearing of fruit um, with how they've been playing for the last little while here. Joel Quenville, high event hockey, that's as good a segue as any yeah. to Chicago. Yes. Uh, he was the coach of that team at the beginning of last season and was Mm -hmm. replaced uh the blackhawks actually went on a nice run around this time last year 16 and 6 from basically mid-january to 
to mid-March, and we're seeing them work their way back into the race as well. Do you feel like the Blackhawks can go all the way and kind of finish the deal this year and nudge one of the existing Western Conference teams out of a spot? Yes, this is one of my bold predictions in uh, the Sportsnet NHL newsletter today is that the Blackhawks are going to make the playoffs. And, you know, it's a combination of things. They are a high, like similar to Florida in some ways, and it's, it's just chaos, like high danger chances on both sides. You never know. They need to have strong goaltending. Robin Lanner's playing for a contract and he wants term and he wants money. I mean, that's motivation in itself to finish strong here. And he's kind of been a little up and down here through the season. And Corey Crawford is a pretty good uh, 1B to have as well. So odds are one of those guys is going to catch fire for a long enough stretch here. And you've got just an incredible offense. Dominic Kubalik is kind of getting into that Calder discussion now. Kane is Kane. Jonathan Taze is, you know, there was a time there where his offense was drifting away and it was kind of like an age-related decline setting in, but his offense has been back up. And you mentioned that they had a really strong finish to the year last year, and it was playing the same kind of hockey that they are right now, which is just almost no defense, just kind of free-flowing, See, let Let's our skill go for take it. us. Yeah, go for it. And and it seems to be working for them again right now. So I kind of like the Blackhawks. And it's also, look at the teams ahead of them. Like, nobody is playing with any kind of consistency. Like, do you feel confident picking any of those specific teams to end up no. as a second wild card, right? Like, Nashville's behind them. Winnipeg is catching a bit of a sore stretch here now, too. So the second wild card, especially, probably both of them, are wide Ultra open. Grabs. And and it's just a matter of who's going to be the team that goes on a 15-20 game stretch here where they really launch themselves. And I look at Chicago and I see a team that has all the pieces to be the one that lands there. So I think they're going to shock a lot of people um, by making the playoffs this year. They're almost an afterthought because it's been three years since they've won a game in the playoffs and two years since they've been there. So, But I think they've kind of rebuilt quickly here on the fly. You've got some found money in like Alex DeBrincat, guys like that. So I kind of think they're going to make it. We'll save Columbus for the next block as it ties into our fantasy element. A couple other teams that have been really good the past sort of dozen games or so. Tampa Bay. I mean, I guess we can't say what do we expect because I feel like their averageness, for lack of a better way of putting it, yeah. did draw out to the point of us going, no, really, what's going on here? But, you know, now they're they're soaring and... You know, maybe we'll even catch the Bruins for top spot, yep. but at the very least, are looking good for home ice in yes. the Atlantic. Another team suddenly looking very good for a home ice uh, playoff position in the Metro, the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yep. Now, Sid's back and looking like Sid. Mm-hmm. Tristan Jari, of course, a big reason why that team did so well while he was on the sideline of getting Malkin. But the Penguins, I don't know if there's a little remember us little yep. thing going on there, but. This is going to be a, a tough team to deal with in the East. I could see myself picking them to win the Stanley yeah, Cup. Yeah, I was thinking right? that the other day. Yeah. Malkin was great when Crosby was out. Now Crosby's back, and and they're both humming. I was wondering, what are the odds? Because because there are so many tandems, and your games played don't need to be super high, what are the odds Tristan Jerry gets into the Vesna conversation here by the end of the year? Like, he needs to get to 43 games played. I just wonder if they don't use him heavily enough to even get to 40 games and thinking you're going to need him for the playoffs and also that you're not going to ignore Matt Murray. You're you're hoping that he's going to find himself yeah. again here. They're going to do something at the trade deadline too. Jake Gensel's out for a long time. Hopefully they get him back in, in the playoff run at some point. 
Jim Rutherford knows, like, he's no stranger. No, he's not shy to make moves. And, and been, he knows he has to go yeah, for it. Yeah, he's been guys. operating with the same MO since he got there. Yeah, I mean, do you know Brian Rust is a better than point per game player right now? It's like, that's the Malkin effect. Yes, it's crazy. Right? Playing on his line. So everything is is coming together for this team. The uh, Man Games Lost to Injury Twitter account, which I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head here, but they have a great graphic that shows you how many man games a team has lost and then the quality of the players that they have lost. And you can see Pittsburgh is way off on their own as the most man games lost to injury and the highest quality of players being lost to injury as well. And yet it's not slowing them at all. So when everybody gets healthy on the blue line and up front, they just look like a team that's hitting their stride here and... They, this is the Penguins, right? They seem to go away for a couple of years, and then they come back and they're winning cups again. They've done it before. So as long as like, no one's betting against Crosby and Malcolm no. at this point, and if anything, last year's first round exit is kind of going to be a motivating factor for them, I would think. So we'll see how they finish, but I, I might be picking them for the cup. So Crosby, Malkin, uh, two guys who you always talk about being players, the very best players in the game. We've done a, a fun exercise at sportsnet.ca trying to determine the best player at each age. So yes. this is what your age is today. 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 So not surprisingly, some good debates, but the best one has to be Brad Marchand versus Patrick Kane. Yeah, so I got to that age bracket and I just wrote in Patrick Kane because... Which is what, 32? 30, it's 31. So I wrote in Patrick Kane. I start writing Patrick Kane because he's steady, he's consistent, he's always going to be probably a top five scorer in the league, whatever. And even as Chicago has become more of an afterthought, as you referenced, this guy's still been putting up big time points. You know what he's going to give you. He scored 110 points last year. And then I just kind of sat there and I thought about it for a second. You know what? Like Marchand has put up good point totals for a few years in a row here. A couple of 85s, 100 last year, tracking towards 100 again this year. And I was just, you know, he brings more to his game. He's a penalty killer. He's a pest, maybe the best in the game right now. So he does take penalties and some dumb ones from time to time. But according to Natural Statric, at 5-on-5, no player draws more penalties than Brad Marchand in the entire NHL. And he draws twice as many as he takes. So for all of his antics and all the dumb stuff that he does, he more often is getting the advantage giving the advantage to the Bruins than taking something away from them. So you put all that together. I mean, Patrick Kane is only a plus one in penalties drawn versus penalties taken. So there's just more going on with Marchand. And it led me to believe, you know, their point totals are kind of similar over the last four years. They're very similar this year. You add in these other elements. I'm going with Brad Marchand for the best player at his age right now. And I think people need to get used to this idea, especially people who don't like the Bruins and don't like Brad Marchand. He's on a Hall of Fame track right now, and as long as he finishes, he has another four or five good years here, you're not going to be able to keep him out of the Hall. And that, that's wild. It came up quick, but it's the fact. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, there is going to be some some heads sagging uh, with that idea, but... I'm looking yes. forward to his speech if he gets yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> well, all this star talk has made me think about uh, the fact we should mention... There's a great doc airing on Friday on Sportsnet after the skills comp. By the way, are you professionally obliged to watch it all? I usually check out the skills comp, but 
I just can't do the game usually or the yeah, games. Yeah, I did a live blog I think the last two years, so I watched it. But okay. if I'm not if I'm not doing something like that, I'm not watching it. But I'm like you, I'll watch the skills. Yeah, I, that, I'm probably meeting up with a couple friends at the pub to watch that this that's year. That's where you. I still feel like you're going to get your holy bleep moments, right? Yeah, something's um, going to happen. And I, you know what? I just like watching the hardest shot too. Yeah. I'm curious to see what this. Uh, what are they calling it? Where they shoot from the stands? At like, what is that going to look like? Um, I like that they try and change things. The one thing that I would change that I hope they do at some point is bring back some of those old guys. Yes. To, to I want to see Ray Bork try and go four for four again and stuff like that. Probably not going to get Mike Gartner out there skating no, around the No, but ice. you know what? It is great that a couple of the events lend themselves well to yes. someone coming back. Yeah. Ally Afraidy, yes. I'm sure, can yes. still lean into a slap shot. Paul Correa can get through that, that obstacle yeah, course. Yeah, probably. Yeah. So that's coming up Friday, the skills comp. Make sure you check it out, but stick around because there's a documentary about Connor McDavid's recovery from a knee injury that I don't think any of us had a real sense of how no. high stakes this was, what this player went through, the fact that there was a, a period of time there where it really seemed like he might not play this year. Um, and he might not be himself when he does Yeah, return. just some some jarring ideas coming out of of the preview. Have you seen the screener yet? I haven't seen the full thing, no. Okay, okay. I'm going to watch it very shortly, and and I'm going to be writing about it, so check it out on sportsnet.ca, but for sure check out the doc because I think there's some serious revelatory things in there, and, I mean, could you contemplate a a season? He's such a, a, a precious guy to have in the league, it's difficult to imagine a year without that player. It is. I mean, he's him. He, he's must watch TV, right? It, it, it's just like when Sidney Crosby missed huge chunks of his career for concussions. Yeah. you feel like there's something missing from those NHL Definitely. seasons. And so, if you can think of a, where would the Oilers be without him this year, and what that would do to that whole division and all the storylines, but like what it would do as the NHL to the NHL as a whole, if a guy who's challenging for the Art Ross and is just unlike any other player in the league isn't out there and the decision that he had to make everything behind it the the rehab it it really is looking like an incredible story okay which prediction from rory's past is finally coming to fruition (laughs) stick around you'll find out in the next segment of tape to tape seth jones up the right wing boards finds oliver bjorkstrand bjorkstrand gets through a check comes in takes a shot and he Oliver Gunstrand goes upstairs and finds a way to put it in. And the Blue Jackets lead in this game 4-3. Oh, cut that spaghetti and tie your shoes. Oliver Gunstrand goes far down. Centering attempt and the score. Oliver Gunstrand buries it from the high slot. 26 seconds in. Ali Ali Oxen free. The Blue Jackets lead 1-0. Welcome back to Tape to Tape. If you're checking out this podcast, there's a really good chance you're into fantasy hockey. So if that is the case, get over to sportsnet.ca. Check out the Sportsnet Fantasy Pool sponsored by Ram at sportsnet.ca forward slash Ram. Cash prizes totaling 50 grand. That's up for grabs as well as a 2020 Ram 1500 Sport. Rory, I quickly looked up the name Oliver Bjorkstrand last <laughs> night to yeah. see if he was available in our keeper pool. Yeah. He is not, but I always grin because I think, was it three years ago maybe? It you might were beating been... the drum for this guy, Calder Trophy. Yeah. It's finally, it's finally happening. Nine goals in his past six. 
He's finally coming on. He had a really good junior career. His first taste of the NHL, which wasn't a full rookie season, 12 games, he was pretty close to a point-of-game player. So it just seemed like, naturally, he might he might come on here. It took longer than I imagined, but it does seem like I mean, he's, he's a big part of why this Columbus team is surprising, right? You need that offense. You need these, these guys that are going to be revelations and kind of come out of nowhere to take a step. And and he's doing it right now, 16 goals in 38 games. So it's it might be a long shot, but he might push for 30 even by the end of the year. So what do you think of Columbus? We've got to talk about this team. Yeah. That, I mean, a tip of the hat to Bjorkstrand, but this is all about Elvis, baby. And yeah. uh, this team, not great underlying numbers, but they are getting the Latvian goaltending rate now. And... I mean, I feel like even if you're the staunchest give me numbers or give me death person, you've got to acknowledge there's some good karma around this Columbus team after the way it went all in last year and said, you know what, we're going to be fine no matter what, believed in itself. And sure enough, here they are in a playoff spot. Yeah, you know, we've seen a couple of examples in recent years of teams that everybody counts out and looks down on using that to come together. Vegas being the one. And I'm not saying Columbus is Vegas and they're going to go to the cup final, but even last year, Columbus, you know, facing Tampa in the first round, nobody was giving them a chance. And they pull off that huge upset. And this year is like, oh, well, they went for it now. Scorched earth, rebuild, good luck, Columbus fans. You're going into darkness again. And and again, the, the dressing room used that as a rallying call and came together. So, you know, their underlying numbers may not be great, but they are outscoring their opposition, which is a positive. You don't want to be like the Ottawa Senators a couple of years ago where you're getting outscored, and that's a bad omen. They need to have good goaltending to go through. You wonder if, if Jarmo Kekalainen will do something at the deadline again or just says, let, let this ride and yeah. see what these guys can do together. Um, that actually might be the better course of action. But also, like kind of like the West, like... You look at the teams that they're going to be competing with to get to the playoffs, and I, I still think Toronto's getting in, and they're playing from behind right now. But you know, cracks are starting to show around the New York Islanders. Yeah. They're, they're, they were all about team defense last year, and for the last month and a half, almost two months, they are giving up the second most high danger chances. It's starting to slip a little bit for them. Um, so you know, are, are they going to fall a little bit? Can Columbus take advantage of that? What, what's Carolina? still kind of question their goaltending a little bit. There just seems to be an opening there. Like, Philadelphia can't really get going for whatever reason. I always look at Philadelphia's roster and like, why Why can't they do it? Why can't they get into the playoffs pretty solidly? And and again, they're kind of floundering there. So I don't want to count out the Blue Jackets. I'm, I'm kicking myself. You gave me an opportunity to jump on this bandwagon a couple weeks ago in our fantasy segment, and I dumped all over them. And Here they are, <laughs> six straight later. They're still there. They're still there now. Now... What are the odds that Elvis is going to keep this going? You well, know, maybe Corpusalo will be back and he can step sure, in, right? Sure, that that's entirely possible. That they kind of need that. They need a rock and net to get them through. That's well, what Bobrovsky was for them, and he, that's the amazing thing. Yeah, I, it was funny when we were talking about Florida and Bobrovsky struggling this season. You forget he was actually struggling for a lot of last season as well, and then got it and together when it, exactly. when it mattered he, most. He, through his career, he generally starts slow in October, yeah. for the most part, and then and then picks up. So that's what you were expecting in Florida this year, and it hasn't really happened. That's what you saw in Columbus last year. And so that they're getting 
the better goaltending out of the two teams between them and Florida is just it's you couldn't see that coming right um, and that's the huge difference for them ah goaltending my god uh you could drive yourself you, nuts you said it so perfectly in the weekend takeaways this year goaltending is voodoo yeah and you just whatever I, I don't know I'm I'll try this guy these two guys from Latvia no one's ever heard of yeah they'll they'll catch fire and get us and in the playoffs good Why luck not? spelling their names journalists <laughs> all right when we come back a conversation with Dan Near the head of Adidas Hockey. Lots of interesting topics to cover with Dan, so stick around for that on Tape to Tape. Hey, welcome back. Time now for our overtime segment brought to you by Subway. No joke, Subway now delivers. A little different uh, version this week, Rory. I was at the Ivy Sports Leadership Conference with podcast producer Amal Delich, his hometown of London, my alma mater of Western. Uh, it was really cool. I have to admit, I felt a little out of place as a words hack uh, in the fancy, beautiful uh, building that the Ivy School of Business operates in. One of the people who was uh, very much blending in there, though, and uh, fit the description of the uh, kind of person you expect to come out of there, Dan Near, head of Adidas Hockey. Uh, we had uh, a great conversation with Dan about, you know, the inspiration behind jersey design and and how these things spring up just from some sketches. And, of course, every year they've got not only third jerseys in the NHL, but the Winter Classic. So we talked a lot about that and how the Vegas logo got going. Uh, talked to him about how they market stars and, and how each one is a little different and, you know, what goes into those relationships. So have a listen. This is my conversation with Dan Near from the Ivy Sports Leadership Conference just a couple weeks ago. Dan, we're in the Ivy School of Business at Western where both of us went. I want to get... A lot of your background story, but we have to start there. We basically were here at the same time in the late 90s. You were on the football team. You were in media as well at the campus radio station. I was doing a little campus radio, doing a little writing at the Gazette. Tell me about your memories of Western and how it shaped you. Sure. And thanks for having me. I miss London. It's great to be back here. It's been way too long. I thought coming out of high school, I was going to McGill. I had a really good opportunity to play football for Charlie Bailey there, who was a longtime coach. And at the last second, and I can't even tell you why I ended up here in London, Larry Haler ran a great program and they were building a new stadium. There was a lot of allure to it. I had some buddies coming here. And so I studied here at, uh, at Huron, uh, Huron College on campus, pursuing a finance track. And really, I came here to build a plan to take over my dad's business when I graduated and be in financial planning. And gosh, um, now I'm in hockey with uh, 10 years having lived in New York City. And now I'm out in Portland at Adidas working on the hockey business. It's been a wild ride. All right. So we'll get to um, your work with the NHL now and the jerseys Adidas supplies. What was it like being uh, in the booth? Uh, did you enjoy wearing a headset when you were doing color on football games? I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> if, if <laughs> no I'm one does in campus radio. 
and that's what makes it fun. But I, uh, I probably learned a few lessons. I probably made a little bit of a fool of myself. But it was pretty cool to put yourself out there, take a chance, and maybe learn a new dimension of yourself going from athlete, and I use that with maybe air quotes, but uh, athlete to to broadcaster for a period of time. But it, it gave me the itch. It gave me the itch around the sports industry and what is out there. And growing up, you watch sports, you don't think of a lot of what's happening behind the scenes and the opportunities. I, I, I never imagined it. And so uh, it's been a wild ride. So... Take us through in more detail some of those steps that led you to where you are today and then let us know what your sort of day-to-day is. You probably gave me too much credit when you said I went to the Ivy School because I actually didn't go to the Ivy School. (laughs) I went to Western and um, a couple of years through the program, internet was just getting going. This was like, uh, this was 2010, I guess. And someone sent me a job application for an internship at NBC Sports. It was on entertainmentcareers.net. If you heard it today, you'd be like, no, that's not a real thing. But it was not a time when online job applications were super sophisticated. Anyhow, I sent a resume kind of for a lark and I got an email back. I'd never even been to New York City. Long story short, I got the gig. This was May 2001. Accepted the gig. 9-11 happens. I start January 1st January 2nd, I guess, 2002, right after this. Really crazy time to be going to New York. But having an opportunity to work at NBC Sports as an intern at the time, they were in NBA. They were in arena football. Uh, I worked on a property, a celebrity golf event out in Lake Tahoe. Really some interesting stuff that I'm like, oh my God, this, this is a path that I'm super interested in. And came back, finished school here, went and worked for a marketing agency, went back to school, did a master's degree at Miami of Ohio. And I was sure I was going back uh, into the workplace in packaged goods. I'm like, okay, I'm back to reality. No more sports. I'm going to work at Procter & Gamble. I was going to work on Herbal Essences as an associate brand manager. It was the dream job for someone uh, on my track. And at the last second, NHL had just finished their lockout in 0405, Okay, lost a lot of the staff, and were rebuilding. So this was 2006. And I went for kind of an informational interview, kind of office tour that quickly turned into, uh, oh, there's jobs here. I'm like, oh my God, what do I do? And so the rest is history. I joined the NHL in in July of 2006 and had 10 great years there before uh, moving over to Adidas. Our story continues to overlap because I was an intern at the Hockey News right after the lockout and it was the same thing. They had laid off staff during the lockout and were just starting to hire people back. And that's how I got in the door. So you're at the NHL. What were you doing at the NHL? And what now are you doing at Adidas? So it's been consumer products focused largely and in the licensing arm of the business. So reporting up to the EVP of brand marketing, uh, Brian Jennings. And at the time, the NHL was really underpenetrated at retail in the US. So if you went into a Dick Sporting Goods, you went into a JCPenney, which was a stalwart in the licensed products business, there wasn't a lot of NHL. And maybe in Detroit, you know, maybe in Philadelphia, maybe in New York, you'd see some pretty good presentations. You know what? I'll jump in there and say when I was at the Hockey News, we'd get interns once in a while from the States and we took them. uh, We had to go pick up something at Pro Hockey Life in Vaughn Mills one day and their eyes just came out of their heads because they were like, you don't understand. We don't have this. (laughs) Yeah, well, when we go to play tournaments in Canada with my kids, they wait to shop until they go to Pro Hockey Life. So free plug for Pro Hockey Life here. Uh, Unbelievable place. But I was in charge of enhancing the NHL's licensed product distribution in the U.S. and explaining 
to retailers that might not have had a background in hockey. Anybody from Walmart to Amazon to Coles uh, and Pennies to Dick's Models that, hey, in St. Louis, go do the math. The Blues outperformed the Rams at the time. The Rams were not selling anything. They were never winning. In Buffalo, pound for pound, the licensed product business is fire, fire for hockey. And you might not realize that. And so I was out trying to build the NHL's business uh, in that space and then doing a lot of work with the clubs uh, in the team stores, sharing best practices, building some sort of structure, reporting infrastructure, you know, testing some new technology. We did some really cool things there, but that progressed. And, you know, 10 years later, I was ready for the new chapter in my career. I was uh, New York City was becoming a little bit difficult for me with young kids and NHL moved their licensing partnership from Reebok to Adidas that started with the World Cup of Hockey. And 2016? Yeah, in yeah. 2016. And that's when I made the jump. So March of 2016, I moved over to Adidas, initially in Toronto, in the Woodbridge office at Adidas Canada. And then about a year later, we moved it to Portland to sit in Oregon at Adidas North America, where we've got uh, more infrastructure around product creation. So uh, building uniforms, working with factories, and really leveraging the machine that we have at our disposal across sports. Okay. We have to talk about jerseys because, I mean, in any sport, I feel like fans are gaga for uh, for jerseys and it's, you know, they hotly debate the ones they love, the ones they wish were different. Let me start with this. I always, you know what? Actually, I'll go to the Winter Classic because we're fresh off it. What's the process for designing those one-off jerseys for teams for that big event? So believe it or not, maybe you know this, but the hardest part is always time. So there's never enough time to run these projects because we're manufacturing goods in all kinds of different places in the world. We're often introducing different colors, different embellishment techniques. As you know, we put a lot into this. They're always super dialed and exciting and unique, right? We rarely will just take a straight throwback and do that throwback. We're usually trying to integrate some new stuff. So there's always a new touch. So the NHL will kick off a meeting. So Brian Jennings, actually, the guy that I used to work with when I was there, leads the partnership with Adidas. We'll sit down with him and his team, and then we'll sit down with the teams that are participating in the game. And we essentially go through a brief and we'll do a lot of research. We might call the Hockey Hall of Fame. We'll try and find the storylines that connect the franchises from different eras or the markets from different eras. As you probably saw, the Texas Stars influence and non-NHL influence came into um, the Stars this year. The Dixie Flyers connected to the Nashville as far as how that story came together. And it happens pretty quick at that point because we got to make the stuff. And depending on when the NHL knows where the game will be and who they're playing, like, as you know, we know that it's in Minnesota next year, but we don't know the opponent. And that's really an integral part of telling the story. The event logo will come later. Those colorways, integral part of telling the story. And so it all comes together in a really accelerated and frenetic pace, but it's super collaborative. League, teams, Adidas. So... One thing that jumps out to me in a season like this where Vancouver and Buffalo are honoring their past, it seems like fans just have an insatiable appetite for throwbacks, even ones that I feel like were derided in the moment, right? If you go back to when these jerseys first came out, people are like, and now you skate them out on a Saturday night and people are just like, oh, I love them because it clearly hits the nostalgia bone. Do you kind of feel like that's just a well you can't, draw too much from when uh, when it comes to aesthetic is that touching on people's youth? 
So I give the two clubs this year a ton of credit for how they story told yeah. around it. And so this actually isn't an if you build it, they will come. There's definitely an insatiable appetite. Everything you said is right. But the reason these have been so successful and meaningful is the way that the story has been told and the way the teams engage their fan base, the nuances and attributes that you add. So the Buffalo jersey has a lot of bells and whistles. Like It's one of my favorite jerseys ever. One of our lead designers, Eric Bottomer, is a Buffalo guy, has been working on NHL jerseys since the beginning of time. Yeah. And it is so cool. And, you know, so the, the jersey's a big part of it, but I give the teams a lot of credit for making sure that, no, we're not just going to put it on a rack and hope it sells. We're going to do a big moment to create a story. We're going to bring back players from that era uh, to help us showcase the jersey. And, uh, and Vancouver did the same thing, but it's inevitable. And you can see kind of how many social likes we get on different posts when that type of jersey pops up. It goes crazy. Yeah. People really uh, love it. And it's vintage inspired. It's not always the straight takedowns. Like the, the Ducks did an anniversary jersey last year that was Mighty Ducks, but didn't have the plum. It had the black fire. Yeah. So, so good. You know, and credit to that team. They had a bunch of creative stuff going uh, last year to support it and storytell with their fans. I think that the challenge is always making it national. It's very easy to tell a local story because they've got a captive audience with their games, but we're challenging everyone involved in this space to say, how do we get people across the country, across the hockey world to pay attention to this story? Because it's too good just to be something you wear once and sell at a local fan shop in your team store. We want people to have access to this. We want cool people and pop culture to want to wear this, you know? So we've got the Seattle 32s coming uh, not too long from now. Hopefully you'll be able to tell us something about that in the near future. But as, you know, sort of a template for that, what was it like with Vegas getting that jersey and logo out there to the world? Yeah, the Vegas story goes far beyond the uniform as it relates to the brand and the impact that it's had in the community. I will be the first to admit I had some doubts and reservations about how that community was going to embrace what we were doing, regardless of what the logo and uniform said and spoke to the fans. But the glitz is there, right? You uh, you, you definitely feel a Vegas vibe. Mr. Foley and uh, his background was very clear about the direction he wanted to go. And so it made our job easy because he knew what he wanted. And it's not always that way. And so our team went up to his ranch in Montana, uh, along with Brian Jennings. They sat down, they started drawing, and is it literally people just like it starts with sketches sketching out it does yeah. start with sketches we, we use digital cads and other technology yep. as well but there's a lot particularly with the id so the logos word marks number fonts that kind of thing is hand hand drawn now some were hand drawn on our computers and tablets and stuff too but it's an awesome process and we have such talented people that have been doing that and so from there it goes to market and for all the reasons you know it catches fire it's cool to wear golden night stuff around vegas who would have thought that like the city where everyone is trying to bring their absolute A game. They're now walking around in Golden Knights t-shirts and jerseys. And it's really taken the market by storm. And I've, I've been so impressed with how the group there and Brian Killingsworth is the chief marketing officer there. And he, he has spent a lot of time being very deliberate about who am I marketing to and how do I tell that story to my fans. And, and the jersey's always right at the center of it. It's been a lot of fun. 
Let's talk about some of the guys who wear those jerseys and represent your your brand. What are the key elements of partnerships with guys like Connor McDavid and PK Subban and Sidney Crosby? What goes into it and what's important on both sides? Well, that's a, that's a great question. And you get something a little different from every athlete. Sure. And so it's not, hey, here's our, the profile we're looking for. Let's go sign eight of the, the same person. We want to build uh, a portfolio. And I, I don't mean that literally, but we, we want a little bit of everything. And uh, we want the best players in the game. We want players who are going to the all-star game with regularity. People who, if you ask who are the best players in hockey, that they're going to be on that list inevitably. We want players that play in great markets that are going to be on TV a lot that are able to participate in other Adidas events and you know be part of big time storytelling that Adidas is involved with. And we want creators and creators is kind of our internal uh, slang for it, but it's the profile of maybe somebody a little bit more unspoken than the average, someone that has some individuality, that's not afraid to celebrate a big goal, that might have some leadership characteristics, might be polarizing to some degree. Guys like PK absolutely fit in there. But I think people that are willing to change hockey culture a little bit and we're very careful about that. We're so respectful of the game There's and the a balance history. There. And we're all hockey people. We're in Oregon, but we're from all over the place. We got people from Minnesota, from New York, all over Canada, all sitting in Oregon. And so we're true to the game, but uh, we're also trying to be innovators. We want to be the brand that makes hockey a little bit cooler, and the players play a huge role in that. So when you see us aligning with a guy like Brent Burns, it's because we think that the stuff he does makes people think a little bit differently about how a hockey player acts or is supposed to act. The All-Star Game, of course, coming up uh, very soon in St. Louis. And I know coming out of last year's All-Star Game, you guys struck some really unique and meaningful partnerships as well. You're right. Uh, after Kendall Coyne skated that incredible lap during the skills competition where I think it blew everyone's mind, that was a moment for us. It woke us up. We did deals bonafide, meaningful uh, endorsement deals with all four of the women there. And we've since signed Sarah Nurse. So we've got Kendall Coyne and Brianna Decker from the U.S., Rebecca Johnston, Renata Fast, and Sarah Nurse in Canada. And they've been amazing additions. When you talk about having a roster of players, they've been such great partners for us. There's so much intrigue internally as to, hey, who are the most popular and uh, most talented athletes on the female side of Adidas business? And our hockey players are in that discussion and in the mix. And so I think it's fair to say you'll see a lot more activity around Adidas and women's hockey in addition to the, the side uh, of the NHL that everyone's so familiar with today. All right, we'll get you out of here on this. What is on the horizon for jerseys? I mean, we always think about tech in terms of equipment, right? And how composite sticks were a game changer. Is there anything coming up that is going to kind of reshape the jersey world as we know it? And I guess also, are you always, I mean, each year I assume there's a new slate of designs for teams that are celebrating this anniversary or just want to do a throwback. So what's coming up in the Jersey world? It's hard to give you a lot of specifics there. So what I'll do is I'll give you some examples of things that I thought were real winners that maybe will give you an idea of how we're thinking about what the future looks like. And so you mentioned Sabres, Ducks 25th, so cool. We're going to continue to do those. There's no doubt. I thought the military program this year, uh, celebrating uh, our military in the U.S. and Canada, 
was cooler than it's ever been. And uh, the teams really embraced it. And so we love programs like that where we can celebrate constituencies and you start to think about, hey, what's Adidas doing around Black History Month? And does that play into hockey? We're exploring things like that. We also uh, had an initiative at the All-Star Game last year that was a, a jersey made of recycled ocean plastics called Parlay, which is uh, one of our big brand initiatives that for the very first time was brought onto the ice for NHL. And every jersey a consumer could buy, if it was an Adidas one, it was made from recycled ocean plastics. And so those are the types of initiatives that we spend a lot of time thinking about and saying, what does the future look like? Because we're not looking to change the build of the jersey just to change it because the players really like it. We think it's the best jersey in the sport right now. And so we're very thoughtful and cautious about change, but we want to do it, but we want to do it in a super authentic way that makes players better. Dan Nier, this has been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. There you have it. That's my conversation with Dan Nier. Good reminder in there as well, Rory. People, you're definitely going to want to check out the three-on-three women's event yes. on Friday as well. That should be fun. Yeah, it's going to be um, during that skills competition. It's going to rival anything that uh, is in that skills competition, right? It's the Americans and the Canadians. Yeah. It's, the, it's the best. Those, they're just incapable of being in the same space without getting after each other, right? I yeah. mean, it's going to happen. I, I almost wish that they would either move it to Saturday or do it again on Saturday because the All-Star game, we talked about, we're not the biggest fans of, of that because of the low quality action sure the women's game would be the highlight yeah. of that day and so i would love to see that up against the, what the nhl guys do absolutely make sure you're following along all week on on twitter as well you can follow rory at rory boylan also check out the uh cool thing we've got going now the best player at every age in the nhl on sportsnet.ca follow myself dixon on sports and check back next week for more glass rattling hockey action on tape to tape.